0: Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts. We welcome you to Bite Into It. We've got Mr. Dan Salmon. Good evening. And we have Maze Wallen. Hi. And I'm Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for joining us. We're in studio. We're stoked. Uh, so, tonight we will check in with the Human Rights Law Centre on proposed new powers in the Surveillance Legislation Amendment Bill 2020. Doesn't that sound like a charmer? <laughs> and after a power summer fill focused on games, Mays and Dan Morganti will be bringing us more games throughout the year. Uh, Mays is going to kick off this evening. What's your focus for tonight?
1: I'm going to be reviewing a creator who's been creating a series of games on his Patreon. So Fraser Brumley has been doing monthly games and they're just little three to ten minutes. So I've picked a few of my highlights Sounds to tell you like about some the collection. like game snacks. Love yeah. this.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, well, before we get to those uh, focused segments this evening, let's hear some news.
2: Absolutely. And um, before I jump into news, guys, it's so good to have you in studio again for the first time in, like, months. It's uh, just nice to have people here.
0: I love seeing you through Perspex rather than <laughs> through my Skype. Absolutely. The internet.
2: I just wanted to go on record <laughs> to say that. Now, news. Um, one thing that has gotten huge in uh, the lockdown period uh, is an app that I had he- only heard of recently called Clubhouse. Now, um, it is an invite-only uh, audio chat app I think is probably the best way to describe it Mm -hmm. um it 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 you kind of you go in, you have conversations with people and then those conversations are ephemeral, they're not meant to move on. Um, it's kind of a then and there being in the moment thing with people and generally people you would know or friends of friends by virtue of the fact that you are invited along by people that you know to join the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, a, as an aside, it's also been uh, used uh, up until recently uh, by uh, people who want to share uh, information about things that the Chinese government in China doesn't don't, doesn't want you to know so people would be talking about things like the Tian Tiananmen Square incident in 1989 and uh, what's going on in Xinjiang at the moment. Uh, since then, China, or the People's Republic, the, go- the government has uh, sh- banned the app. But it may seem, and Vanessa, you are a Clubhouse user, are you not?
0: Uh, very fledgling user, mm. yes.
2: So, so you might be able to shed a bit more light on this than I can, but it may seem that it looks like Clubhouse isn't in fact as uh, good with your data as they say that they are.
0: Look, there are a few clues to this when you first get invited to the app, which is that there are quite a few encouragements to connect your contacts, which is something that I never do in any of these apps. Mm. But it really constrains the functionality if you don't add them. Mm. And that's not unusual in that it makes it harder to find your connections on a platform if you don't do that connection. But in this particular case, it also stops you being able to use those coveted um, invites if you don't connect your contacts, mm. so it's a real uh, bit of leverage they have over the users. Who want all that kudos for inviting their friends?
2: Absolutely. And so, um, in, a, in addition to that kind of, I suppose, red flag—I guess you'd call it—it it turns out that Clubhouse, despite saying that the uh, of conversations you have aren't they you know of the moment—they're not being recorded—it turns out that they are being recorded. So, uh, in one of the privacy in the privacy policy, um, it says the Clubhouse rooms are recorded solely for the purpose of supporting in- incident investigations. We temporarily record the audio in a room while the room is live. If a user reports a trust and safety violation while the room is active, we retain the audio for the purposes of investigating the incident and then delete it when the investigation is complete. If no incident is reported in a room, we delete the temporary audio recording when the room ends. So there's a bit of a loophole there in terms mm. of, uh, I suppose, they're, they're, they're saying one thing and doing another.
0: It would
1: It's, it's, al- al- it's mm. also a loophole that kind of makes sense, right? Like mm. some of these... So many platforms are completely unmoderated, especially when they first start out. Mm-hmm. And it has been one of the criticisms of voice, voice-specific voice chat rooms anyway, like on Discord and things like that. They're mm. impossible to moderate.
0: Mm. Mm. I also do wonder about loopholes in the sense that, If you get something that's ongoing and lively enough, you could theoretically have a conversation that never ends. Mm. When would it be considered finished? That's a very
2: good point. You know, if someone if someone joins and you know, it's like I suppose like a filibuster in the United States Congress. <laughs> very if good. Someone's just there keeping talking. The conversation never ends, and then at some point something happens, and someone reports it, and then they have access to that. Mm-hmm. Other things that are possible red flags uh, with regards to Clubhouse include the fact that you can't delete information that other, other people share about you. So if your contact number gets into um, the Clubhouse database, you have, and you're not in there, uh, you have no way of uh, getting them to remove your phone that's number. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's mm. that's pretty bad. If you are a user, you can't. De- uh, it's a lot, quite difficult to delete your account. Um, you can't just send an email to a support account. There's no option anywhere in the app to delete your account and there aren't any instructions on how to delete it. Uh, you have to send an email to, and this you know, might be useful for people who are trying to do it, support at alphaexplorationco.com. Uh, to request that your account be cancelled and then wait for someone to take action. And then another another problem here is that it can share personal information without notifying you, but, I mean, how many apps already yeah. do that?
0: That's I guess that's the thing. This is so common, mm. uh, but it's good that people are starting to have much higher expectations from any of these products. Absolutely. I would say one of my pet hates is when you join an app and – it does immediately look through your contacts like Signal does. It's one of the few features of Signal that I'm really uh, Mm. not keen on. Yeah. And it treats your... People in your contacts as if they're friends of yours. Mm. And you're like, mm mm, no. I've got plumbers in there. I've got yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, absolutely. nuisance
0: people, like scammers who I've blocked. Mm. Mm. You know, I absolutely do not want you to consider these numbers as people that I want to know about and be connected to, and want them to see that I'm in this app.
2: Absolutely. And I'm also kind of sick of the constant signal notifications I'm getting for people who, like, who I've not spoken to in years being saying, they're on signal now. It's like, yeah. well, I'm trying
1: to remember who
0: that person is, yeah, and then exactly. being like, oh, and this is based I on on your, your phones and their phones, and yeah. it's yeah. it's the worst. It's,
2: yeah, so I, I think no, hy- no
0: offense to any lovely plumbers who've worked with me in the past. Of course,
2: <laughs> not, nice work there. <laughs> Thank not, you. Uh, but uh, look, I think the the message here is hypervigilance. We're we always uh, uh, in favor of uh, care, being careful with your data and being careful with your privacy. It's so, just, so
0: exhausting being hypervigilant. Yeah,
2: true. But if you, if everyone was hyper vigilant, then you wouldn't need to be hyper vigilant for other people. Mm. maze
1: um yeah in other news speaking of hyper vigilance and privacy and moderation um twitch's first transparency report is here um they talk mostly about um they talk mostly about dealing with harassment dealing with moderation and dealing with um campaigns and and those kinds of things so uh, they've talked about all of the different initiatives that they've done, so whether it's been um, new auto-mod bots, which is a few years old, or it's been um, groups and initiatives who have come together, which historically, so far, those groups have not been um, very effective and also quite obviously left out of a lot of discussions. Um, and, you know, it sort of also makes sense over 2020 it's become like something like 50% larger as well, uh, with more people watching. Um, but yeah, I guess we're still hoping that it has a bit more data. So like actually how many people are actively moderating? Can there be more please? Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, why is this sort of pipeline breaking between uh, the content being made um, and and these authorities that they've put in positions of power? There are also some other interesting statistics. So there was something like over 3,000 um, reports of missing children being uh, given to the United States authorities over there. Um, and then much smaller amounts, something like under 20, actual authorities being contacted when there was violence or something else online, which is something that if you're a Twitch watcher, you might be um, uh, familiar with people showing violence online and then, you know, whether they've been banned or not and they're banning taking a really long time. Yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah. it's it's effectively self rated isn't it you go in and and sort of rate your own content what you're expecting to put out there so that you give people a bit of choice
1: it is yeah completely
0: Mm.
1: yeah and then you know also you often can't control what other gamers are there or who's rating you so a lot of the time um you know you might have like a trans or uh other marginalized identity identity who's playing a game and being chill and then you'll get raid bombed by a bunch of haters yeah or something like that um or these campaigns can be organized on Twitch and then taken to the rest of social media and there's a bit of like what is the responsibility there for That's
0: that's fantastic. Um I funnily enough I just it hadn't occurred to me watching a massive multiplayer online game yeah. on Twitch because most of the people I watch are just doing their individual sort of thing and, and narrating it in quite interesting ways. So I can really imagine how challenging that is it's completely out of your control
1: yeah yeah completely um and also uh so there's a few australian streamers who are really good at body painting um and they do a lot of body painting content and they're sort of they get a lot of pervs and things coming into their streams and it's been an interesting journey on how twitch wants to moderate um
0: Content like that. Yeah, it's such an expansion journey for them. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: they have said that in their statement also that this is an ongoing conversation and and moderation in general is going to be something that just keeps evolving for the entire time, Mm -hmm. Um, which is positive, I suppose. I
0: think the whole report's positive in the sense that, yes, report – open the conversation, be more transparent about these things. That's really good. It's
1: also just been like a really cool summary kind of to look at and instead of sort of panicking after the one thing, after the next thing, you know, as these monthly – events happen of like the latest scandal um to actually see how it's all culminated
0: yeah and and to see them in parallel trying to scale up their mod capabilities and other sorts of levers that they can pull to try and put some control around what content's getting out there
1: and what the balance is between you know what twitch is now which is really mainstream and what they sort of became (laughs) big from which was a very like reddit Mm. subculture Mm. of yeah being unmoderated, being a part of it.
0: This is all encouraging. Also encouraging in news is that... uh some workers uh, at Lich have signed a collective bargaining agreement with their company and it's it's a bit of a milestone. So they've had a contract which is ratified overwhelmingly by their union members, which will last for the next 11 months. It is the first agreement of its kind signed by white-collar tech workers in the US because obviously mm. we have seen unionised movements happening mm.
1: um,
0: or trying to happen within, say, supply chain of tech companies but not necessarily the, the white-collar side of those um, employees. So uh, their agreement um, doesn't include higher wages because that wasn't a focus for them, but they were trying to react to the pandemic really um, and look at worker protections and make sure that those were um, really strong and also making sure that Um, they constrained the conditions under which employees could be fired or disciplined and had a real process built up around that so that, you know, expectations were clear. Um, It also established recall rights for employees laid off during the pandemic, um, specifically aimed at uh, 18 people who they laid off in May. Um, so if, if they start to scale up the business again, they actually have to go back and offer those people their jobs back if they're going to rehire for those positions. It's quite a, a powerful move by union and, um, yeah, really that's a pretty cool clause. That's
2: a fantastic clause.
0: It's kind of amazing, especially if, you know, in good faith, you say, look, we really have to change our behavior because of these unprecedented conditions. Mm. And they're like, well, if that's true, yep, let's, yeah. this should be a reasonable clause. And the company said, yeah, we agree. What a great outcome! That's that's really fantastic.
2: Other organisations could take note of that, I think, and especially when we're looking at you know fake redundancies and all the rest of it. Uh,
0: Absolutely,
1: it, and it, things like really small startups where they've you know often said no unions ham us and. and they don't move fast enough, and things like that. Yeah, and, and in this the case, money comes and goes really quickly.
0: Absolutely, and in this case, the delitch management um, voluntarily recognised this union. They didn't have to fight. There was no union busting activity when they started to form. This is um, quite radical in this particular field.
2: Mm, I think Amazon could take some notes out of that.
0: Yeah, so worth looking up the DLitch unionisation story if that's something you're interested in. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. means a lot.
1: I'm going to give you a little rundown um, and a little exploration of a Melbourne developer that I'm really excited about, Fraser Brumley. Um, He's been making video games monthly for his Patreon. Each game is usually around 3 to 10 minutes long and they're available on itch.io for PC, Mac and Linux. They're $3 or free. Um, So there's just... I think that Fraser's work is really Australian in its sort of, like, dark um, sense of humour but also quite sarcastic and a little bit absurdist, um, something that sort of comes from us a lot. Um, And in games that often comes to... Just weird, weird games that um, are not very gamey. So I wanted to (laughs) talk about um, my first one, Falling Point Error. Good name. Mm. Yeah, and it's um, like something I'm pretty sure is probably a term from the game engine and like – a real error that probably comes up, because this game is about falling endlessly, and the game doesn't end on its own. You have to quit.
0: Um, <gasps> yeah, normally the error is floating point error. So there oh. you go. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. Which okay. explains
2: floating points, but let's mm. <laughs> <little. laughs>
1: love it. Um, so it opens with no audio, just these flight logs talking about a shuttle that has lost contact and crashes. Um, quite a few of Fraser's Games open with this sort of silent um, logs or or just a silent intro before music or gameplay kicks in, Um, which is nice because all of these games are so short. It is good to just be like, this is what the game is and go Um, instead of like a long tutorial or anything like that. So this one, um, as the experience starts, Contact by Daft Punk comes in Um, and you might recall that that song's about six and a half minutes um, and that ends up being the total length of the rest of the game. So, That's a very
0: nice Mm. constraint to work with, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because,
2: I mean, the number of times that I've started on, I mean, I'm not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm like, have I really got the time to embark on this? If I know I've got six minutes to spare, then I'm going to jump on and do that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. those are definitely my favorite kinds of games also, just like the ten minute ones or and you know, when you go on to their itch page or which is like the Band Camp page, mm. um, you often get a vibe of like, Yeah, I'm pretty sure this game's gonna be ten minutes, you know. Mm. <laughs> and if it's any longer, you're like pleasantly surprised, but usually you're like this is this is gonna be small. Mm. Um So, you know, as this song contact goes through um, at the start, there's some vocals that sort of come in through the comms and then there's like the spacey synths and then at the end it sort of builds into like chaos and glitchy sounds, the game does that as you float through space um, and see these different cool graphics
0: and things. Oh, it sounds like being in a Daft Punk video.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like it could very easily just be a video clip and and the amount of interaction is kind of pretty much that. Um, You control the camera and not much else. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's – I've – There are a fair few, like, audio games where it is some sort of song and you only control the camera and it's pretty much just a a music video. And I really like that trend.
0: Chill vibes. Mm. Yeah. It is. It is. As long as you're not in there mentally going, I'm in a spacesuit floating through space, I can't control my boosters, this is, like... Yeah. interstellar, yeah. interstellar nightmares.
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so you're not looking for a particular payoff here. It's just that you're going to be flying through and experiencing it as the game wants you to experience it.
1: Yeah, it becomes pretty clear, like, after the first couple of minutes of, like, is this that song... It is, isn't it? You know, and I check my phone to see it um, light up with like, "Yeah, it's that song." <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, "I think I get it. I get it." Um, and that sort of goes through all of Phrase's games. Is like, you enter the game, you get a little tiny description, uh, the gameplay starts, and you're like, "What's happening?" For about a minute, and then you're like, "Oh, hang on, I get it." <laughs> um, and that same thing happened with the next game I wanted to talk about, which was called um, Cooking with Creep Creatures. Yeah, Cooking with Creatures. Uh, you've got me interested. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, the game opens and you're in a kitchen and it's a first-person view and there's um, a piece of paper with instructions, um, which like W-A-S-D is yes, controls. Yes, love it. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then there's a a knife, a chef
0: knife. And then there's a (laughs) helpful kookaburra. You're so chef-y. I love that you named the precise knife.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What happened? it 21 centimetres?
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dan. Um, And then there's a kookaburra who's like, (laughs) yeah,
2: kookaburra. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on. So you've described, thus far you've just described standing in the kitchen with some instructions, cool, I'm going to cook something, and then kookaburra appears.
1: Yeah, so the kookaburra is like kind of like clippy. But in kookaburra form. It looks
2: like you're trying to ruin a pie.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so they are. No, like, the kookaburra's <laughs> always,
0: are you making steak? <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, they said, all right, today we're going to make a stew. So, um, and I like, so the kookaburra doesn't have voiceover, it's just words. So I was not paying attention. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like walking around the kitchen straight away and the cook. And um, I was picking up things and I picked up a bottle of oil and I was like, oh, I'm going put to put that in this stew pot. Um, it's it's E to interact, which I read after I did this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not good at, like, reading um, in games personally. <laughs> um, so I put the oil into the pot and then it was gone. And, and I realised the kookaburras instruction was um, – Pour a few tablespoons of oil into the pot.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh! Mm-hmm. So
1: that was gone. Um, <laughs> it's impossible to get anything out of the pot. I think. I love it. So, 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 what, 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 so
2: what had you done? You hadn't used the teaspoon. That was the different, or the tablespoon. That, yeah. That was or I what hadn't
1: managed to open the cap of the bottle or anything. I just put the whole bottle in.
2: Okay. And there's no retrieving it. It's <laughs> no, it's gone. no. It's like a this really tall pot. Does does the kookaburra like respond to you? Say you did that wrong. No, not at all. So I was
1: like, okay, there might be some way of redeeming this. But instead I just spent three minutes um, (laughs) taking all of the plates out of the cupboards and smashing them. And then (laughs) I opened the fridge and then... so you, you can, I think, chop carrots, but I couldn't get the chopping to work. But you still got the sound of the chopping if you managed to hit a carrot with a knife. That's and cool. I, yeah. So that was really fun. And um, eventually I feel like I had smashed everything. The kookaburra was still telling me to put a few tablespoons of oil in
0: the pot. <laughs> So...
2: Are, are, are there other like? Have you had you gone any further in the gameplay? Are there other animals with different scenarios or anything like that, or is it just I the cook no bird trying to make, try to make it? To a st- <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know if there's other animals and other stews. Well, yeah, we know what we're all playing after this show. Yeah,
2: totally.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, love it. But the the philosophical questions that it raises around those cooks who don't measure anything, in that sense that there you were oh, intuiting whoa. your way through a kitchen well, and going, goodness. I know what happens first, the oil. And then just boom! I've done this wrong. Totally. Yeah.
2: <laughs> as as someone who like throughout my entire life has been a just chuck it in and see what happens kind of cook, and then <laughs> realizing, hold on, recipes exist for a reason, and, and, <laughs> and have a noticeable difference in how good the food is when I follow a recipe, <laughs> I'm on board with this cooker burra.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that they chose the cooker burra too. Have we, I, I, have we played into that? I mean,
2: I, I, I wanted to, but you've done right. it now.
0: Cooking with critters. We've got to check that out.
2: Cooking with burras next.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Do we though. have time for just one more? We absolutely yeah. do. Okay. So then I thought to myself after this game, I was like, "All right, out of the twelve games on phrases um, on phrases each page, um, which one do I want to tell the Triple R listeners about?" And and there's one called Fleet Toad Mac, <laughs> and I was like,
0: "Okay, yeah." yeah. So so profiled right now.
1: <laughs> Um, when I open the game, it's in first person, and I'm greeted with a golden toad sitting on a record player. <laughs> and I'm also on the record player, like I'm little, like smaller, smaller than the toad. So I'm like looking up at this enormous golden toad, and I realize that I'm on the turntable. Um and I start like trying to move around, and I notice that I'm turning the record. Um... And um and so this game is pretty much like that Spix and Specs game where one person yes. has to pedal a bike mm. and that turns the turntable and then everyone else has to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so after realising that I'm running the record backwards, I <laughs> <laughs> slow it to a halt and run run the correct way and it slowly moves in um, to to the song playing. Is, is the toad helping you? Yeah,
2: like what, what's the toad's role here?
1: I've... Uh, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and then Dreams by Fleetwood Mac.
0: Love it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is great. Man, that's yeah, deep. and I play it till the end and then um, you, you get the sound of the record like just turning on itself. Yeah.
2: Cool. Very and arty. The, I, lo- I love the premise <laughs> of those. Guys. I love that they're short and I love that like they're just strange enough to be like, what did I just do?
0: And I want yeah. to send all of my friends to this. Absolutely, yes. this is brilliant. I want to cook with the Kookaburra.
1: <laughs> well, there's so many. There's one called um, OHS, which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my nightmare. Yeah, um, Occupational Health and Sabotage.
2: Oh, uh, what's so you like Beastie what, Boys? D- yeah, what does ooh. it? Ooh, yeah, maybe that's it. I was thinking you're going around an office like putting hazards in people's way and like the the angry. It's it's like being the the. Goose game, except in an office.
1: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, um, set to Scott Joplin's The Entertainer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Classic. <laughs> 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 um, it opens with the story of you telling your boss that, um, you know, there's a, there's a hazard, your boss saying, I don't give a shit, and you going, well, you know what? I'm going to go into this glass panel making factory. okay (laughs) and and you know ragdoll like which is a games term for like a really floppy body um (laughs) uh you just throw yourself into into these glass panels and there's like glass panels on hills hoists there's glass panels (laughs) that are just like one after the other for you to run straight through 20 at a time there's platforms to launch off and and um Yeah, it's really satisfying and it's a lot of smashing noises. So so
2: the point of the game is to say to your boss, you thought there was a hazard, watch me, watch me, ruin myself and sue you, basically.
0: I I love it. Where are the guide rails when you need them? Brilliant.
2: (laughs) Brilliant. Maze, that was awesome.
1: Yeah. So you can go to, um, let me just bring it up. Brumley 53, so B-R-U-M-L-E-Y 53, dot itch.io to find those. Or look up Fraser Brumley on Patreon um, to see all their games.
0: Independently yours, Triple R.
2: 102.7.
0: Kieran Pender is a senior lawyer with the Human Rights Law Centre. Tonight... He helps us explore the new warrant powers sought in the Surveillance Legislation Amendment Identify and Disrupt Bill 2020. That's quite a mouthful. Welcome, Kieran.
3: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, We always need a bit of help working our way through uh, these new laws, not having any lawyers in studio at the moment. So with this um, particular piece of legislation... It's saying it would give officers of the Australian Federal Police and Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission access to three new types of surveillance warrants, and we would really appreciate some help talking through them. Um, so the first of those, those uh, warrants that they're mentioning is a data disruption warrant. What would that entail,
3: Sure. So, I think to start with, you know, this is a bill that would give um, considerable new surveillance powers to uh, Australian law enforcement, and that continues a really troubling trend, uh, really, over the last 20 years of increasing the surveillance capacity of the Australian state um, in a way that has had very little uh, as scrutiny, monitoring and safeguards. Um, you, you mentioned that first one, the data disruption warrant. That would enable police to access digital data and perform uh, online disruption activities of, of uh, you know, everyday Australians. And then there's also two other warrants which I can talk through um, or can continue talking about, the disruption warrant.
2: Ab- absolutely. K- Kieran, did you, want to, did you want to take us uh, through uh, all of the warrants and then we can kind of talk un- unpack it all at once?
3: Sure. So the second one is, is called a network activity warrant. Um, that enables police to collect... Uh, Intelligence on online activity. So, you know, whatever you're doing online, they would be able to monitor under that warrant. And finally, there's an account takeover warrant, which would enable police to effectively uh, hijack, take over um, uh, someone's online accounts, you know, in relation
2: to social media or, or
3: whatever else.
2: Uh, Kieran, what kind of justification have um, the federal government been giving for adding these particular types of warrants to the, I uh, suppose, to their? arsenal of things that they can do?
3: Minister Dutton uh, has talked about the need in a digital age for increased state surveillance capacity um, to assist law enforcement uh, tackling crimes. Um, But has given conspicuously little evidence that the already uh, sweeping existing surveillance powers are insufficient. Um, And when you look at the bill itself, it goes a lot further than uh, what Uh, Minister Dutton has suggested, sort of, is is necessary. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, one of the many reasons why the Human Rights Law Centre has real concerns about the sweeping surveillance powers that this bill, if if enacted, would give to the Australian government.
2: Absolutely, uh, Kieran. The the account takeover warrant uh, has kind of piqued my interest out of the three a little bit more, particularly because, I mean, it seems like such a, I suppose... obviously it's an invasion of a person's personal, you know, online uh, interactions, but at the same time, what benefit is there to the police or what's their justification, the benefit, for going into my my account if they suspect me of doing something?
3: Uh, Yeah, that's a a very excellent question Uh, and, and, you know, gets to the heart of concerns about these new warrants. Um, You know, obviously, any increase in surveillance... Uh, and particularly warrants of this nature really intrude on the privacy of everyday Australians. Um, you know that in turn has a chilling effect on on the exercise of political rights. And and at the HRLC, we're particularly concerned about what these warrants might mean for uh, um, you know the, the groups that are often disproportionately impacted by state surveillance capacity, uh, vulnerable, vulnerable marginalised. Uh, groups in the community and people like whistleblowers and journalists who are most at risk of greater state surveillance of their online activity.
0: So, Kieran, it's um, already quite a stretch the powers that are being asked for here. What sorts of um, oversight are included in the giving of these warrants? Is it just a uh, request straight to a judge and it goes that way, or are there any other sorts of moderating features about whether you, these warrants are granted?
3: Yeah, there are little checks and balances in this bill, uh, and that's a real concern to us and other um, civil society stakeholders. Uh, it requires uh, the police to go to either a judge, a magistrate, or uh, an administrative appeals tribunal member. Uh, and and some AAT members are not legal uh, legally trained; they have no legal background necessarily. So you know, that is straight away is a gap. Uh, in, in oversight and scrutiny. Um, and then, because these laws are so sweeping, you know, the granting of one of these really enables the police to monitor a huge swathe, potentially, of online activity in a way that's really uncomfortable when we think of our, our individual privacy rights.
2: Uh, Kieran, uh, if they act- Let's say they have taken over someone's account. Is the idea to monitor, or can they act as that person and try and entrap their contacts? Mm.
3: Uh, As I understand the bill, you know, there aren't real fetters on on the act of the power. Um, You know, there'd be broader questions if they entrapped us to then, if they sought to prosecute on that basis. Um, But, yeah, in in theory, uh, at least the the bill is not um, particularly confined on a number of the warrants. They have really sweeping powers that have been drafted in a way that raises real questions about whether the stated intent of the bill, you know, to, to, to address a certain, you know, significant crime is actually being addressed or this is a, a power grab to enable broader surveillance by the Australian state.
1: It does kind of feel like a power grab and and part of that, I guess, is, you know, digital law is always sort of catching up and, you know, does it need to be kind of vague to allow room or 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 even, like... Do we need these laws at all? Like, um, there's, there is already a whole lot of public information um, that they are already digging around in and, and can find a whole lot of evidence and leads and things like that. Um, so, I guess, yeah, how, how do you approach making a law for this?
3: I think any surveillance capacity needs to be carefully contained and fully justified, and I think this bill that's been proposed really does neither of those things. Um, we already have a sweeping surveillance capacity for Australian law enforcement and intelligence. If that's not enough, you know we need to see really compelling evidence that more is needed and strict safeguards to ensure these laws are not misused. Australia lacks... You know, a human rights framework, as you might see in other jurisdictions, that enables sufficient scrutiny and prevention of, of abuse of these sort of powers. Um, and so any expansion of them, uh, you know, really raises grave concerns, particularly when the powers have been drafted as broadly as they have in this bill.
2: Kieran, it's it was introduced to the House of Representatives late last year, Where is it at in the legislative process? Have we still got a chance to contact our MPs and uh, let people know or let them know about our concerns with this?
3: You and and your listeners certainly do still have that chance. It's currently before the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security. Uh, They're holding public hearings uh, in a a week or two's time, uh, and the the Human Rights Law Centre have made a submission and will be appearing before Parliament... Um, for the committee next Wednesday. Um, so it's not too late to uh, exert political pressure, raise concerns with your local MP um, that, that broad surveillance powers um, uh, you know, really cut at the heart of human rights in Australia and, and we should be really cautious about continuing to expand the reach of the Australian surveillance state.
0: Kieran, we're as concerned as you are about this legislation. Um, what are the penalties for failure to comply with the proposed bill.
3: Yeah, that's another really concerning dimension of of this bill, in that it provides for what it calls assistance orders to force people to assist law enforcement in the execution of these warrants. Now, that in itself is not unheard of. If a police person uh, gets a warrant to search your home and they knock on the door, you know, by law you're required to open the door. Um, But you're not required to help them search your house and look for incriminating evidence. You know, they have to do that themselves. And, And we're really worried that these assistance orders are so broadly drafted and don't adequately respect that what's called the freedom from self-incrimination but it could force people and not even just those accused of crimes but but people who may be third parties employers IT experts assisting other people to, to, to potentially self-incriminate and then that comes with sweeping penalties we're talking 10 years maximum imprisonment um, for failing to assist police in the execution of these warrants uh, as I said you know there's rights at issue here in regards um, self-incrimination and so that's you know one of the many concerning dimensions of this bill.
1: I guess that really does sort of link to you know if these bills make us self-incriminate what can we is there much that we could do to protect ourselves like you know a, a VPN or something is that even practical when they could just make us log into our VPN as well?
3: It, yeah, exactly. There, there are not, you know, many safeguards at a technical level. I'm a, I'm a lawyer, not a technical expert, but um, I, I don't think the bill really gives much scope for that. Um, but I think you know, you hit the nail on the head. These laws, whenever they're enacted, increase the cost on uh, you know Australian democracy of broad surveillance powers, and they gradually continue to erode uh, our right. To privacy and you know free free political engagement, um, and so we should be concerned about that. And you know it's really great that, to hear that you guys are so passionate about these issues.
2: Uh, absolutely, Kieran. Uh, it's one one of the things. Obviously, you know in in today's kind of media environment, most of our uh, contact with other people is done through platforms of one description or another, and most of those platforms generally at least talk the talk about respecting our privacy. Have any of the bigger, bigger names had a, come out with an opinion on, on this particular legislation? Have we heard anything from, you know, the Facebooks and Googles of the world?
3: Yeah, a number of um, tech companies have made submissions uh, to... The committee, including Twitter, which raised a, a few of the concerns that I've articulated. Um, so you know, it's interesting. Um, it's not always that uh, people, um, you know, seeking to protect privacy, uh, uh, find themselves on the same side of, of, of big tech. <laughs> but in this, as uh, the circumstance, we are on the same side. It seems.
0: Yes, I I was um, heartened to see that. Uh, obviously there's a, a big cost in terms of uh, monitoring from uh, extra compliance costs for these sort of companies. Do you think that's their motivation or do you think it goes deeper than that?
3: Uh, yes. I mean, I, given you know, the fundamental function of Twitter or Facebook, I wouldn't suggest that individual privacy is their primary concern. <laughs> um, but but, but if, if, if self-interest motivates them to be concerned about a bill such as this, then... You know, that that concern is, is legitimate. And, um, you know, we hope that the Parliamentary Joint Committee, you know, a very powerful, important, influential committee, uh, which on previous occasions has told the government to go back to the drawing board uh, in relation to surveillance laws, mm-hmm. uh, we hope they'll say the same thing here. Uh, and, and, you know, the Human Rights Law Centre and other civil society organisations have raised a number of concerns. Um, we'll be presenting that case in, in front of the committee next Wednesday, and, and we really hope those concerns will be heeded and, and this bill will be either withdrawn entirely or, or redrafted in a substantially narrower way with the sort of safeguards that are necessary. Uh,
2: if if there was one amendment to the legislation that you was at the top of your list, Kieran, what would it be?
3: Uh, that's a, a good question, a difficult question, but I think probably one of our primary concerns is a, a bill like this is framed in terms of really significant crime, but the threshold in the bill itself uh, is only three years imprisonment, um, which you know is, is, is a far too low a threshold for really sweeping surveillance powers mm-hmm. that threaten to overcome you know the traditional checks and balances in our justice system. Our criminal justice system has evolved over hundreds of years to balance the rights of accused and the rights of the state. A, a bill like this uh, erodes that, and so setting that that boundary so low, um, is, I think, a real concern. Uh, you know, if I could be bold as, as to ask for another change as well, um, the law around the activity warrants is so broadly drafted that, at least on one reading of the bill, if, if someone suspected of an offence under the Act uses, say, WhatsApp, then, in theory, the police, if they got a warrant for that, could monitor any Australian's WhatsApp, who anyone who uses WhatsApp, mm-hmm. even if you have no connection To that person, accused under the Act, um, in theory, the police could uh, monitor my WhatsApp, your WhatsApp, WhatsApp of journalists and of whistleblowers. Um, You know, that's hugely concerning. We suspect that's not what they intended, but that's what they put to Parliament. And so that's among the number of changes that the Human Rights Law Centre will be calling for next Wednesday.
0: Well, I like that you were bold there and suggested a couple of amendments. (laughs) Sounds like you could drive a surveillance van through some of the holes in this proposed legislation. We've been speaking with Kieran Pender, who is a senior lawyer with the Human Rights Law Centre. You can read up on more of their work at hrlc.org.au. Kieran, thank you so much for your time this evening.
2: Thanks very much.
0: It's been a pleasure.
2: You're listening to Bite Into It with Mays Vanessa and my name is Dan. Uh, before we do uh, run to a promo, I do want to say you should jump onto the uh, Par- Australian Parliament website if you do have a concern about that legislation and put a submission in. Um, we will tweet out a link to that.
0: Uh, weird news of the week. Something came across my plate. I wondered if you two had seen it. It was a tool called Deep Nostalgia. Oh, dear. And it was it was a... An attempt like it's a marketing volley by one of those companies that tries to look oh. into your DNA and look up your heritage for you. Companies I'm not a fan of. No. Yeah. I've yeah. just
2: clicked on the link and I think I've worked out what the issue is here.
0: So 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 had either of you seen it? You haven't I asked no, my best no, 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 question? No I, I,
2: no, I haven't. But um so by the <laughs> looks of, by the looks of it, can I guess what it is?
0: Sure. Guess yep. what Deep Nostalgia is? Deep
2: Nostalgia is where they are animating old photos of family members from the past.
0: Yes. So if you've what? got multiple <laughs> photos of an ancestor, well, or oh. let's face it, even not an ancestor, you could theoretically upload them into their tool and they would attempt to animate them and, oh. with sometimes disturbing results. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, it's like those moving Harry Potter photos, except weirder. Like basically, yes, I, I mean, we won't talk about the company because we don't want to promote this absurdity. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you can upload, up, as Vanessa said, you upload multiple photos, it makes a weird kind of like blinking face of your long-gone grandparents. It's...
0: The, the funny thing is it is um, borderline uncanny valley for me mm. in the fact they can't quite seem to nail... The transitions between things. Yeah,
2: like it, it. It looks like Ananova. Remember Ananova, the the robot newsreader? Or oh, yeah, it's that's kind of what it reminds me of. Um,
0: and um, it's
1: just a few seconds looking at the site that you brought up. So it's almost just like those sort of moving image mm. things you get. on your It's mind. been
0: incredibly successful for them, and wow. I think, just like all these companies do, it does tap into that sense of you know wanting to to know and. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's a very narcissistic sense of the yeah. pace of it all. <laughs> <laughs> Just but how much would you from? get?
1: You know, like, would they be able to inject the personality of how someone moves?
2: Are, th- are they going nice. to start deep faking it and make people like, talk Donald Trump to you? Like, I've, there, are, there are so many questions that I don't want to know the answer to.
1: That's what I actually thought that you were talking about, Vanessa. It was all of the Tom Cruise deep fake videos that have arrived in the last week. They are week. pretty amazing as well. Oh, the way that they get his grin and the weird laughing and things like that and the way he walks as well. <laughs> although,
0: although some of that is it has to be from the actor underneath. Like, you actually mm. have to trigger those things for it yeah. to happen. So... Th- you can't, I think the deep fake thing doesn't work equally well on any subject. Mm. You yeah. know, you do if have to... If it's a
1: celebrity ha- that has a lot of these tells that you True. could, like, some icon, you know, yeah. you could capitalise off.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think you can do it for a lot of people, but it's more that the person acting as the person is also really mm. important to that process mm. and how fakeable it is. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
3: Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app.
0: Here is some
2: stuff for people to do next week. Um, mobile Muster is something that we're all uh, supportive of here at Bite Into It. It is a re- uh, phone recycling and tech recycling service. They are having their Go For Zero campaign all of March. Uh, recycling old mobile is free and easy. All you need to do is to drop it at your nearest participating Mobile Muster retailer. Uh, we'll tweet out a link to find that. Or you can uh, order a mailing satchel and pick or and pick one up from Australia Post. Well worth recycling. We need to do a bit for the environment.
1: Yeah. Um, Also, there's the Girls in Tech Mentor Walk. So spend 45 minutes walking around the TAN in the open air and get the chance to speak with potential mentors and follow up afterwards. So if you're looking for a mentor and you're a girl in tech, that could be one to look out for.
0: And Um, if you've done all of Brighton.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, nice. Well done. Very on. That was great. (laughs) Excellent. Um, On Sunday, the 14th of March from 9.30am, so a brisk morning walk, um, tickets are $12.50 via Eventbrite, and we'll tweet that one out.
0: Nice. Hey, thanks to our guest this evening, Kieran Pender from the Human Rights Law Centre. Thank you to my fellow hosts, Mays and Dan. Oh, Brilliant thing in studio it's nice with to you. Be back. Thanks a lot to our Talks producer, Elizabeth McCarthy. We've been Bite Into It, and we'll be back next Wednesday evening. Hi, this is Vanessa De Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts.